Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast, where we share how functional core rehab can actually change your life. We share the stories of clients and professionals who have done Tummy Team programs, and we share so much more than that. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm passionate about helping people find profound healing beyond the physical healing, but also emotional healing to be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. Welcome back to the Tummy Team Journey podcast, and we have a really fun episode for you today. I am actually interviewing one of the Tummy Team staff members, Miranda, and some of you guys may already feel like you know Miranda because Miranda um, does a lot for the Tummy Team, and she answers a lot of your questions, and she um, helps me in so many ways. Um, But we thought it would be a really great conversation for us to kind of share the perspective on kind of the other side of the curtain, what we have learned from you guys and what we, how we've been inspired by you guys' stories and just a little bit about how the tummy team functions and how we decide to do the things that we decide to do. So I want to introduce you to Miranda. Hi, Miranda. Hi. Thanks for doing this with me. We have a lot of fun working together and um, I'm excited for people to hear your point of view of what we do. So why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I'm Miranda. I think my official title at the Tummy Team is online administrator, but um, (laughs) what that looks like is me answering most of your questions and kind of being the initial customer service support person. I handle kind of our social media presence as well as... help Kelly build our new courses um, and edit them when we need to edit them. Um, Personally, I'm a wife and a mom, and um, I homeschool my eight-year-old daughter, and I have a massage therapy background that I'm currently not using, but maybe again someday. (laughs) You use with me all the time. She gives me I need it. Um, so it's funny, like when um, any any of my staff um, try to describe what they do <laughs> um, and their official role, because honestly, um, Miranda is an extension of me. She kind of like does all the stuff that I can't do and kind of makes me better than I am because I will have an idea and she will get that idea out there or she will help me edit a video or help me. I honestly don't even know sometimes how to get on Instagram. I'm I'm just going to confess that right here. So she helps me with all of that stuff and I could learn, but I have other things my brain needs to be doing. And so, um, yeah, so she helps me with a lot of that stuff. And um, because she, you know, because you are such a big part of the brainstorming piece. Like obviously I create the content of our courses and the content of the stuff on the website, but a lot of the brainstorming of why we um, offer different courses and what we're going to put in the course and how we're going to reword things in the course and how we're going to update stuff on social media and what information we're going to be out. We're going to be putting out there. A lot of that comes from our conversations and conversations that we have with clients, well, conversations I have with clients, but also conversations you have with clients. If somebody's asking the same question over and over again, we think, oh, we we maybe need to do a better job of explaining that to people. Um, but but one of the things, one of the many things that Miranda does for me is that she um, answers um Emails, answers, um, questions on social media and answers questions on, um, you know, uh, our, our, ch- our live chat that's on our website. So, and, and if the questions are a little bit too detailed, then she'll pass them on to me or to Shante, our other girl that works with us to kind of get the right information to you guys. But, you know, she's been doing this long enough that she knows a lot of the answers to your questions. So what I thought would be interesting is, you know, everybody that reaches out to us, you know, your problems feel so personal to you and they are. 
But what we start to find, and one of the reasons we do this podcast, is we start to realize how much alike we all are and how common, there's a common humanity. And a lot of us are struggling with the same things and have the same questions. And um, so I thought it might be interesting to talk about um, kind of what are the most common questions? What are the most common things that people reach out and ask us or ask you and the first things that you see? So let's start with just because there's there's you can talk in general and then we can talk about men, women, kids or, you know, expecting moms, all that stuff. So what's the most common question that we get? I would say the most common question we get from just the general population um, is whether or not. Um, our clients should lose weight before um, doing one of our programs, whether they can heal their core while they still feel like maybe they're a little overweight. Um, that's probably the most common question we get. And I mean, the answer is like, you can start your healing process at any point. Um, and we want you to. Right. Um, you know, what I, when I hear that, and I, I think I've addressed this before on that podcast, um, is it makes me recognize um, how, uh, I think it's somewhat cultural. Uh, I think we, we, you know, we see that we have extra weight on our belly and we want to say, okay, that's just, I just need to lose weight. And some of us do need to lose weight, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't still have a diastasis or a functionally weak core or some other thing going on that needs to be treated. The other thing I see with that that question that breaks my heart is I feel like our medical community quickly dismisses um, problems based on people's weight. Absolutely. Uh, I think, I think the first thing they'll say, well, you need to lose weight. Um, that's why your back's hurting. You need to lose weight. That's why your belly's bulging. You need to lose weight. That's because this, you know, you know, you're about 50 pounds overweight because, and these things and, and whether that's true or not, it may be true. Um, it completely dismisses all their symptoms because I feel like if people could that easily just, I don't know one single person that you, that a doctor tells them that they need to lose weight that doesn't already know that they need, they, they could use to lose weight. This is yeah. not new information. That's not, you know, medical advice, right? This is, they already know that, right? right. Um, and if it was easy enough for them to just lose the weight, than they would, but maybe the back pain they're experiencing or, or the instability because their core is so weak is keeping them from moving or is making them depressed and, and contributing to how they eat. Maybe the stress of their life is making it difficult for them to lose weight. There's a lot of things going on that we can't just dismiss. And the cool thing about our approach is that no matter how much belly fat you have, no much how much belly weight you have, your corset muscle is under there and it holds you together and it strengthens no matter what size you are. And a lot of times if we can start to retrain that muscle and that strength, then people have feel better. They can move better. They have more energy. They have less pain and they can actually start making progress to some of the other things. If weight loss is even one of their goals, maybe just pain relief was their goal. And that got completely dismissed because the doctor now made it about weight loss. And, you know, I always say that it's not that I don't care what, that people are overweight or I don't, don't care about their health. I absolutely do. I just don't want to dismiss every problem based on somebody needing to lose weight. Because yeah, that's sometimes we can't, we can't get to the weight loss issue until we feel strong enough to move our bodies. Um, yes. And yeah. I think that's a, a piece that's missing in the medical community is some of these people don't feel strong enough to even move their bodies in a way to, you know, progress. Um, yeah. 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 What's a, what's a common question, a different common question that you get from the men that reach out? Um, I think the most common question I get from men, and it's usually the most disappointing answer that I have to give is, can I continue my regular workouts? Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes the answer is no, you can't continue your regular workouts because it's hurting you. Um, right. And we're going to give you new strategies and you can eventually return to working out, but it may look different in the future. Um, right. But I, oft I think that oftentimes that is discouraging at first for men to hear that they can't continue 
But I think, and, you know. I think the fact that they ask that question, intuitively, they know that something going on with their workout is actually hurting them. Yeah. I think they intuitively know. And, and yes, we work out for lots of different reasons. And I want people to exercise. I just want them to be smart about what they're doing. And, and usually, if we can just explain what you're the type of working out you're doing with the muscle imbalance you have and with the diastasis that you have is actually making the symptom worse. And we can't, we can't hope to make it better when we're constantly making it worse. And so, so yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the men, not all of the men, but a lot of men we see, um, have actually developed the diastasis from working out from, yeah. Poor fitness strategies. Yeah. 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 And so that's, that's incredibly disappointing, but also um, completely treatable. And, and once we, you know, sometimes that's enough for people to just go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to look into this anymore because I'm not ready to make that decision. But all we can do is tell them the truth. And, you know, often when they're ready, they'll come back and they'll go, you know, and my big thing is I don't want people to get to the point where they've hurt themselves so significantly that they can't work out at all. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And we want people to continue living, you know, the lifestyles that they love. Um, And we want you to be, you know, enjoy fitness if that's something you enjoy, but we want you to do it in a safe way. Um, And so that's kind of the message I try to give men that have that question, because we want you to get back to doing the activities that you love. Um, But sometimes we need you to take a break. That doesn't mean you can't go back to it, but we need we need you to relearn some things first. Right. And, you know, if you thought about it about something else, let's say you like uh, tore your ACL in your knee. Right. It would be reasonable for the physical therapist to say you can't run and play soccer for a bit because we have to do rehab first. And then we need to look at how you're running and we need to, you know, it's it's the same thing. You have an injury. Um, whether it's been diagnosed that way or not, it is an actual injury and it needs to be treated. You know, one of the things that I, um, over the last couple of years after we we um, launched our core foundations for men course that I have been, um, I was, I've been a little surprised by when I w- work with men is um, I think that intuitively we, we consider women really being body image conscious, you know, and women are very mm-hmm. like self-conscious of looking pregnant when they're not and all of this stuff. And I don't know, I guess I thought, I didn't think that that would be such a big issue for men, yeah. but it, it legitimately is. Um, yeah. I would say that every man that I've worked with just about, I mean, beyond pain and, and trying to avoid surgery and stuff like that, their biggest thing they say to me is, I'm embarrassed by how I look. This, my belly does not feel like me. And I, and, and this is, this is gentlemen that are in their sixties and seventies, you know, and they're, they're still very self-conscious about their belly um, and very um, self-conscious of how their body looks. And I think that's important to understand it's been a real learning curve for me um, to acknowledge that and to validate that because when somebody doesn't feel good about themselves, they start to isolate themselves. And that isolation is damaging on a lot of different levels. You limit your activity, you limit going out, you limit the things you enjoy, it affects your mental health, you know? And so, and, and I've also found that it is somewhat what you see in the mirror but it's even deeper what you feel in your body. So a lot of times we we cannot guarantee that somebody's going to like lose their belly and get a flat waist. There's a lot of things going on, but usually the tummy starts to look differently, but always the tummy feels different. And that core connection feels, um, changes how they feel about themselves and how they're moving and how they're engaging in the world around them. And so that's been a surprising thing for me as I've been working with gentlemen to recognize and to validate that that's a, that's a real, a real issue for them. Um, that, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm a woman. I just, and maybe my husband is just like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't recognize how much that really does impact these guys. Yeah. And I think that for the people, for the men that are really self-conscious about it and they're like, I, 
I don't feel like myself with this belly. They're doing all the things to try, you know, they're eating right, they're working out. And they're like, I still have this weird looking belly. I still look like I have a beer belly. I don't even drink. Um, What's going on? And why is this here? Um, Because they've tried everything and they don't understand why it's happening. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I hear, well, across the board, but Um, It seems like men are a little bit quicker to go to their doctor about this than women. Um, Mm -hmm. And and men will go, oh my gosh, what is this? Is this a hernia? What's going on? And the doctor has um, giving them really poor to no information. And so when they're, when they're reaching out to us, a lot of it is, wait a second, what are you saying? My doctor didn't give me this information. So there's a little bit of uh, testing, you know, of where... We're, you know, if we're a valid, reliable source um, of information and if we really do do the things we say we do. Um, but usually once once we we share with them some of the resources we have, specifically educational resources for men and start explaining what's going on, I think um, that's why we started making some of those resources specifically for men, because men really got sick of deciphering through all the pregnancy information to just get something about what's going on in their 65 year old belly, you know? And and so that, that led us, all those questions led us to creating some of that YouTube content that was directed specifically to men um, about what the diastasis look like, why it's there, why, how it gets better and all of that stuff. And I think that that um, creating that content has, really, really helped uh, us reach more men because they do have a lot of questions in it and and there's not a lot of people talking to men about it. So I feel like we, we do that well. They often have to sift through so much information that's not relevant at them at all. And um, and they'll do it out of desperation, but it's a turnoff for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, no no um, man that's subconscious about their belly wants to be referred to a pre- as a pregnant woman. <laughs> no, no. no, not at all. <laughs> that's never that's never really making them feel great. Um all right, how about is there are there specific women's questions that you get that um that seem to be a common thread or common trend? Yeah, I would say um for pregnant women, women who are still pregnant, they have the question of can I can I do anything about this while I'm pregnant or am I, or do I just need to wait until I have a baby? Um, until I'm done having babies completely. Yeah. Done having babies altogether. Do I need to just wait? Which the answer is do it as soon as possible. Even if you're pregnant, (laughs) pregnant, please start now. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, I don't know. I, even as someone who's had a baby, I think we are just trained to think this is just the way it is. You have a baby and you have this, you know, mama tummy afterwards and you're just supposed to be okay with it. Some people bounce back. Some people don't. I guess I'm just not going to bounce back. Um, And I thought that way for a long time. And even going through massage school, they didn't offer a lot of, they said, this is what a diastasis is. That's it. They didn't really give us anything other than that, except for traditional core core workouts, crunches and planks and et cetera. All the things that we tell people not to do right away. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Information. Yep. Right. And so until I was introduced to the tummy team, I really just felt like this is just the way our bodies, you know, this is just a mama body after we have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the questions from women who are done having babies, I often get the question of, is it too late yeah. um, to fix this? So it's yeah. either a, can I not do anything about it yet? Or am I too far gone to do my little this? tiny window to be able to rehab this? Right. You know, and I don't know why we feel like there's just this little tiny window. And, and the reality is when we, um, address the diastasis, during pregnancy, we improve fetal alignment, we improve core stability, posture, we improve so many symptoms for mom, but also 
preparation going into birth and then birth recovery. You know, it's like, you know, it's not going to get better at the birth and it's not going to get better when you have a newborn to take care of. So the things that we offer are really, um, you know, elemental, I think, you know, for, for all moms while they're pregnant. And, And we even have a crash course. Like if you, if you are only hearing about this, you know, and you have two weeks or two days before you give birth, it's very right. important to know something because, because it's not only, you know, what you do while you're pregnant, it's those first six weeks postpartum when your body is so vulnerable and we don't think we can do anything until after six weeks. But if we can set the stage and set people up, a lot of the injury happens in those first six weeks postpartum or right at the birth. And if we have just a little bit of better information going into the birth and and having a, a plan for those first six weeks, gosh, it, it's a game changer for people. So it's not too late in the pregnancy. And I think the other question we get, I get with pregnancies, um, and, and these ones too, typically get forwarded on to me because of the nature of them is somebody's had an incredibly traumatic previous birth and they're now pregnant again and they're trying to do anything and everything to have a different experience. And that is actually one of our specialties is to to really help you have a different experience from a physical standpoint, but also processing the birth and the grief and the trauma and all of that in a, in a very, practical and self-compassionate way. Um, so I think that, that, that prenatal thing is, um, you know, I think we're doing a good job at getting that message out there. I I mean, we're, we're working on it and we're really working with midwives and, and OBs to try to get them to understand that this is, um, something that we should check for while they're pregnant. And, um, it's usually not hard to see, like they, they help them up off the, the plinth in the, in the, you know, after they get their, their check at the doctor and their stomach tense out, it's not difficult to see. Um, so, and then, and then the question for, you know, people after, is it been too late? And it's never too late. It's never too late to, to heal these muscles. It's not like you have this little window and you can't um, fix it after this window. You, I mean, you can you can do this in your sixties or seventies. And I think the fact that we work with men who have never had a baby. Right. Shifts people's mindset to say, Oh, so there's not like this window. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think the other big question is, can I really fix this without surgery? Because we have so many women particularly that come to us when um, they're they're very desperate because they've just found out they have a prolapse and things are like falling out and they're like, I was told I have to have surgery for this. Otherwise I'm just, you know, there's nothing else I can do. Um, And the question is, yeah, like we, there is something we can do about it without surgery. Um, And we can address a lot of these problems without surgery being your first option. If that's not something you want. Right. And I'm not saying that surgery so isn't sometimes an option or some, some sometimes recommended, recommended, but right. um, it's not the first option. And um, one thing that it's hard for people to think about, but surgery never makes you stronger. Right. Okay. Surgery is trauma where you're cutting through muscles and they might stitch things back together and, and retrain something, but weakness in, is comes with a surgery um and you still need to strengthen muscles and so um so yeah i think that i think that you know the medical community is very good at knowing what surgery can do just like we're really good at knowing what pharmacology can do like you know but Mm -hmm. we're not always looking at you know the way we look at is what is your what's going on with your body and um you know what can, how can we, how can we help it, you know, get back to the way it was designed to function? I think prolapse specifically is a total panic button. Um, And I think it's not just because, oh my gosh, something fell out or there's this bulging. There is um, kind of a visceral fight or flight kind of, uh, you know, nervous system reaction. Yeah. To, 
to prolapse symptoms because something that's supposed to be inside is moving to the outside and your body is like, do something about this, you know, like, like do something about this. And so that kind of physiological response creates an emotional response and then a panic. And then we also start thinking about all the things like, you know, am I going to be wearing diapers forever? Am I never going to be able to have sex again? You know, am I, what am I going to be not able to run or walk or carry my kids or my grandkids? Um, And so there's a lot of fear and anxiety, um, which all actually makes prolapse symptoms worse. Um, And so a lot of times you know, uh, what, what people need to think about and how we kind of describe it. And we have a really good, uh, YouTube video about this actually is that, um, prolapse is basically like a diastasis of the pelvic floor. Yes. You know, like the, the diastasis of the abdominal wall is things get stretched out and bulge forward the pelvic floor, things get stretched out and bulge down. So pressure, position and pressure and muscle imbalance affect both areas. So if we can first eliminate the pressure, then it's not going to be bulging. Mm -hmm. And then, and then strengthen up the, the structures and balance out what's tight and what's weak, and then put people in the right alignment and then give them cues to understand when they're pushing through. Like if somebody... I can't tell you how many times people, and this happens more with men um, for whatever reason, where they'll have that that tenting in their diastasis, that bulge, and they want to show it to me over and over. Well, when I do this, it bulges. When I do this, it bulges. And when I do that, and when I hold my breath and bear down, it bulges. And when I crunch and when I lift, and they show, and I'm like, stop, please stop don't do that. Then. Do stop doing all the things that make that happen. Yes, <laughs> every time they create that. They're pushing out and stretching and causing micro tears and stretching, making the DR worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, now that you know the 37 things that make it stick out, <laughs> what makes it pull back in? Yeah. And let's focus on that. <laughs> you know, like it's, and so similarly with the pelvic floor, we know when it goes out. We know when it's pushed out. We know these things happen and now I'm in this situation. But what, when do we acknowledge when it's actually better? And once it's already kind of bulging out, that's a difficult time to start doing an exercise because the exercise is going to start asking muscles to be challenged. And those muscles are telling you, I'm done for the day. Um, This is not the time to give me a workout. Yeah. Right. And so we need to like reduce it and give the body a chance to rest and heal and kind of reset itself and then strengthen from its strongest place, not its weakest place. And so, you know, our first approach always, I think the first thing I write in every single one of those um, emails and, and um, posts and stuff is don't panic. (laughs) Right. Panic. Okay, your body is simply communicating to you. You need to rest. You need to lay down and rest, and then we're going to help you. Um, but the first thing is, let's let's. Your body is saying, "I things are falling apart. Please, please give me a break." And we don't live in a culture where taking a break um, feels um, allowable. Right. Right. Yeah. Not our, especially in America, um, we're a go, 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 get them, get them, get them, work harder, try harder, go, go, go. Um, but rest actually makes rest and recovery allows the rest of our life to be better and finding that balance, um, and, and being intentional about that balance, you know, um, yeah, is, is key, you know, and anybody, like, if you think of it in any other way, like if you're an athlete, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm a swimmer, so I can't, every set can't be my all out sprint set. Nope. I have to have the recovery set. I have to have the recovery day. I have to have two days off before I can do something good again. You know, like I, my body needs that rest and recovery to be able to perform the way and, and perform even better than it was. So it's the same in every other aspect of our life, but we don't often look at it that way. You know? Right. 
Yeah. And I think we, we all know, we all have the friend who has um, like prolapse symptoms or some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction, whether they're leaking or whatever. And um, they're like, well, I just leak every time I run. Um, And you know, the answer is, well, maybe we shouldn't be running yet. Maybe we should take a look at that and heal that thing first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I but, love how you said yet. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's important. I think that people hear these absolutes, but it's important to say, I don't think we should be running yet, yet. or away from them right now right. or right now. And I think that that takes that kind of lets the air out of the balloon. Okay, this isn't a forever situation. It's temporary. Yeah. Yes, it's temporary if we do the right things. Right. But if you keep running and leaking and ignoring your body telling you this is too much, don't be surprised if things get worse before they get better. Right. Yeah. But we are always are surprised. <laughs> We always like where it's not okay to take a break, and where we have to just push through the pain or whatever the uncomfortable circumstance is, Um, because maybe running is the only time we have alone ourselves. Um, So um, it's not easy to take something away from your, you know, when it's your. Try to replace it with something else, and it's not going to be the same at first. But you know, I would, yeah. It's like it's like being able to understand what people need right now and what yep. you're going to want for the rest of your life and, and trying to find that balance because there is a certain amount of – there are times where I um, I let people or I, I – it's not me letting them, but I acknowledge that people are going to do things that maybe aren't the best for their body right now because yeah. – they need it for other reasons. And that's always a choice, you know, only, only individual people can make that choice. And sometimes people aren't ready to do this work because they're not ready to give up something else that is um, helping them in a really crucial way. And I have no judgment to that. There's no judgment here. People find their time when they're ready. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I've had many a client that um, has got it with the best intentions has purchased multiple courses um and not finished any of them sometimes not even started any of them and then they reach out to me and they're like embarrassed to do an e-session or embarrassed to reach out do not be embarrassed right you know like I want you to do the please don't buy the course again if you haven't done it like right. please let, reach out and let us know let us help you be successful right um with the one course that you bought <laughs> you know let us help you be successful um and so and it's something I always acknowledge when people reach out and they say usually it's pregnant women that say I know I need this course but what when's the right time for me to take the course and you know we always tell people we want them to start healing as soon as possible but we also recognize that they have to be in a space mentally and emotionally to be able to create the space to do the program. Yeah. To take um, information in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes when you have a newborn baby, you don't, you don't have the time or the space to dedicate to, you know, even just a couple hours a week. Right. And that's, that's the time, honestly, um, when people should do an e-session because, yeah. um, you know, when, when we first went completely online, I, I am so conscientious of people's budgets and I want people to get the most, the most that they can get for the best deal. Right. So I'm always like, you should do the course. The course is so comprehensive and I know meeting with me is great, but like, gosh, I can only cover this much when we meet together. And I know there's so much more, but what I've learned is that there are stages and seasons and also just specific personalities that can't do the more. They mm-hmm. they can do the right now. Yeah. Give me three to five things that I can realistically do that are going to help me. And, and I have learned that that's super effective for a good portion of the population. And sometimes meeting with me, not just um, – because I have something great to say, but because there's some accountability, there's some emotional support, there's encouragement, 
I'm able to give them the directions they need. Like, like I'm able to modify, oh, okay, I, you know, we talk a lot about this nursing throne, but you are in a situation where you can only nurse reclining because of overproduction and this and that and whatever. So then we modify everything based on that, you know, and, um, or, you know, specific things and make it very customized and very personal. And so I think that when people are feeling kind of overwhelmed by it all, um, to, to not, to not underestimate the fact that I can help them even just in one or two e-sessions, um, to get them moving in the right direction. And a lot of times just getting a little bit of success under your belt helps, you know, Oh, this isn't, this isn't doable. Yeah. I, I recognize that in my desire to give people a very robust and comprehensive course that the amount of content can sometimes be overwhelming to people, not to everybody, but to sometimes for those of us that struggle with perfectionism or want to it, everything to be perfect before you go on to the next step, you know, can get kind of lose sight of the trees in the middle of the forest. And um, there's another way that they can get the help. So I think that that's been fun. And I just recently, like within the last, I don't know, six months or so started offering just 30 minute sessions, which I always thought, Oh, that's not enough time. But um, for people that are going to check in with me regularly, 30 minutes is, is completely doable. You know, I can check in while they're doing, give them the next set of stuff. It's not always good for our very first session. It's nice to have a little bit more time, but um, that's been a really cool, a cool addition. And that's, again, like we are constantly evolving what we do and how we do it based on what we learn from the clients, right? What, what they tell us and it's why we make specific new courses and, and resources and why we make some resources free and some resources in the course. And all of that stuff is based on, you know, what people are telling us. Yeah. Yeah. And we get a lot of great feedback and that's how we make the tummy team better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you feel like has been the most surprising thing working with clients and, and working with the tummy team, something that you didn't expect? Mm. Well, I think, um, I've done, because I've seen you in the clinic before I worked for you. Um, and I've, I've done portions of courses. Um, I did a lot of things kind of out of order. Um, because I had all of the resources available to me. Um, and I kept hearing you talk with other clients about how big of, I guess the biggest impact on a lot of people was the grief, um, and the abdominal massage video, Mm. um, and how big of an impact that had on everyone. And I kind of thought like, it's going to be no big deal for me. Um, I'm a massage therapist. I touch other people's bellies. I touch my own belly, whatever. It's not going to be a big deal. And then I was like, fine, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do the grief video. Um, And I did it in my living room um, on my living room floor. And, um, you know, it's not a very long video. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of you massaging your tummy. And all of a sudden, I'm just in the living room on the floor, like in a puddle of my own tears. Um, And it was just really, um, I didn't realize the things that were going to come up during that, you know, abdominal massage time of just nurturing yourself um and taking care of yourself um it was just a really important piece that I kind of brushed off um and thought like oh yeah that's probably good for everyone else they needed that I didn't need it um but for for myself and for others I've been really surprised by that piece of Acknowledging that there is an emotional component to healing a physical injury um, and addressing 
each person holistically is a really important part of what we do at the tummy team. Um, and I, I knew that intellectually, but now I know it from a personal perspective also. Yeah, I, I, I would say that that's been one of the most surprising things that I've learned along the way too. Um, and, um, and I surprisingly how a video that is, not talk it's not me just talking to one person mm-hmm. right I'm talking to a number of people how that can specifically affect each individual person as if i'm talking to them right if they're going through this process right um because there's a lot of different reasons that people have this disconnect or this emotional component to the core um you know and so i You know, at first, when I first started to recognize this, when I was working with clients in the clinic and um, and online, when I was doing some birth processing and trauma processing stuff with people, um, I started I was a little nervous. Like I was like, it kind of feels a little new agey to just kind of like rub your tummy and think happy thoughts and love yourself. And but um, but it's it's real. It's real about how our body, um, need, you know, physical touch is a huge part of the human experience, mm-hmm. right? We see this in newborns that are neglected and we see it in elderly that are isolated mm-hmm. and we see it across the board, um, with mental health issues. Um, and, and so, and then, and also our mindset and, and what we think and feel about ourselves, um, it's all, it's all kind of a piece of it. And then there's the whole sensory connection thing. There's the whole sympathetic, parasympathetic, how our body deals with stress and store stress and how it can't rest and digest because it's so much in the fight and flight and all of that. And, you know, as a result of the huge huge response to that free resource that we offer that grief resource that we offer com- combined with fit to be they they encourage yeah. us to do it and I filmed it with Beth um for and it's on their site but it's free to anybody because of that you know we're developing a, a new trauma specific a trauma recovery course um yeah. and I actually have a series of them because there's different types of trauma and different types of experiences so you know, um, and that's a that's a, been a labor of love that I've been working on all year. And I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to release it before the end of this year. Um, but it, it, I want to get it right. You know, I want to get it right. And I want to be um, sensitive to the the huge extent of how this plays in and the fact that I'm not a counselor. Right. So we're just looking at how this emotional, the physical component, you know, of the, the emotional stuff and even stuff that you, you didn't, you weren't walking around feeling like you had all this grief in your life. No, I wasn't walking around feeling like mopey and sad every day. Or I, you know, I wasn't in some sort of like deep depression. Um, but there was still stuff I was holding on to, um, that I just didn't even realize I was holding on to. And it was really important just to sit with it and process it um, when I hadn't allowed myself to do that. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it plays into a lot of how we, we walk around every day, how we hold ourselves, whether we're sitting or standing, whether we are feel like we are constantly having to protect ourselves um, from whatever trauma or stuff has happened to us in that general, um, you know, core area. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, And and oftentimes when you don't, you, you walk around in that kind of fetal protective Mm -hmm. posture, posture, um, because you just haven't, it's scary. It is. Uh, And you don't even notice when it happened. There's a disconnect that happens. There's that posturing that happens. There's a weight of it that grief has a weight yeah. that comes with it. Um, and I think people are experiencing this now just in the state of our society and the culture, the weight of everything that everybody's experiencing. Um, and 
um, that does affect us. And we need strength to stand up under that weight and to thrive despite that. Um, but we also need strategies to be able to, to come out from under it and to release it and to move on the other side of it. But I think it starts with acknowledging it. If you don't even know it's there, if you didn't even realize that you had an extra 10 pounds in your backpack, you wouldn't know to unzip it and take it out. You just think, oh, this is the weight of my backpack, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you, because you have that, you you went ahead and did that um, for yourself, when you, we often we are really blessed in a way that we have clients that feel trust us with their stories. They trust us with even they don't know us very well, but they will email us or message us some pretty um, sad, challenging Mm -hmm. stories. And, And I do, I feel like it's a privilege that they trust us and that we, we get to hold that for a little bit and help them through that. When you, when, because you've gone through that for yourself, has it changed how you feel when you get those emails? Has it changed your confidence in responding to them or just, you know, has it made a difference in what, when you. Yeah, absolutely. I think for a long time, I, I was just going off of hearsay, you know, from you about your clients and your clients' experiences from Shantae and her experiences with other clients of like how this really works. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this does have a huge impact. And I think I kept, I kept, I meant it because I believe you guys um, and I trust you, but it, I, it does, it feels different now when I say there really is hope. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be scared forever. Yeah. Um, you don't have to panic. Um, because I, I've, ex- I've experienced that, that change in mindset of like, oh, there, there really is something to this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not just a bunch of like, you know, yeah. floor exercises. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, I, I, it, what we do is based on what we do in the clinic, obviously mm-hmm. what my clinical experience um, and my personal like uh, or professional experience as a physical therapist. But in addition to that, um, I am my own test patient, you know, like I, kind of, I haven't experienced everything that my clients go through, but you know, I have a good number of things that I've experienced. And right. so I, I, test these things out of myself. And I really, and it's more than like, Oh, I just have this testimony. And now I'm going to go, I have this testimony based. And then also this clinical experience and this professional background and just also a mindset. And so I kind of pull all that together so that I don't feel like we're ever sending our clients off like an uncharted territory. We've, we've tested out this stuff. We've, we're, we're giving them information and content that is reliable and, um, you know, based on, you know, real results of, of right. lots of clients and of ourselves. And, and it's, um, it gives us the confidence to say some of the stuff that we do, you know, because mm-hmm. we've seen it over and over and over again. Um, and that comes with experience. I think that when I first started doing this work, I was hopeful and I believed it, but I didn't have the same level of confidence that yeah. I have. And I feel like when we have clients that come to us with really sad stories or really complex medical histories or really um, they've been blown off or dismissed by the medical community, and I am able to say, I'm pretty sure we can help you. I, I'm confident that we can help you. Um, and I and I mean it. I feel like that is uh, a lifeline. As long as they're willing to do the work with us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they just... There are some people that want to just come to us and be like, all right, it's me. Um, yeah. and, and when they yeah. realize there's a little bit of work involved, they're like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's worth not it. a lot, but you have it's to do it. It's not I a lot can't of work. work. I can't it's, do it. it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Okay. Well, we're running out of time. We could talk forever. And we were all worried when we were talking before this. We're like, what are we going to talk about again? Yeah. <laughs> and here we are over time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how it always happens. Um, if you had like 
kind of one thing you wish people knew about the tummy team? If you can come down up with one thing that you wish people knew, um, what would you like people to know? I just wish they knew about it before they were desperate. Yeah. Um, they could be proactive. They could, yeah, that they could be proactive about it and prevent themselves from hurting themselves before, you know, yeah. before they get there. That's probably the biggest thing. And um, I'm sure my friends are annoyed with me because I'm always like pushing the tummy team on them um, <laughs> because because I see the value there. Um, and, you know, I remember coming to see you in the clinic thinking like that I must have some huge diastasis. And I remember finding out that I didn't have a diastasis. There wasn't a separation, but I still had an incredibly weak core. Um, and so there were, there are, were still things to address. Um, so just because it's, there's not a physical, like gaping hole in your tummy doesn't mean um, that you can't address some of the ways that you, um, walking through the world, um, or sitting at your desk every day, whatever, whatever it is, there are strategies to, that can make your life better. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just wish people knew about it earlier. That's really the biggest thing. I would say that that's probably the number one thing that clients say. They'll say, I wish I knew about this before my first pregnancy, you know, well, before my, even before my first pregnancy, like, you know, um, before I was even pregnant and, you know, you know, maybe at some point this, this content, this information won't be so specialized and so expertise and it will be common knowledge. And I hope, I hope that's the case um, in the, in the long run, you know, but until then we're, we're out there doing what we can spreading the word. So, and you helped me do that. And I so appreciate you. I appreciate your heart. And I appreciate that you love these clients as much as I do. And um, you really have, really have a heart for people to, you know, heal. And that's what we do here. And we're a team. And all that. So uh, I think, I think we're going to wrap it up. Thank okay. you guys. Thanks everybody for joining us today. We'll definitely do another one down the road with Miranda, talk about other stuff. And we'll share some of the resources that we talked about today in our podcast notes, some things that we referred to that have been really um, valuable to other clients and have been based on basically you guys telling us what you need and us trying to create it for you. So thanks, Miranda. Of course. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live.